coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Let's donk some Kongs! It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. How is it going, Mark? It's going pretty good. How are you, Patrick? Uh, I'm, <laughs> this again, I'm thrown off by the return volley of the question <laughs> of how I am. I'm doing well. I, I finished The Last of Us Part Two earlier today, so I am in that post-Last uh, of Us funk that uh, many of your friends are probably in without uh, them <laughs> saying as much to you. Um, good game, uh, sad, thought-provoking game, uh, and I'm ready to talk about something a little bit more frivolous with you. Well, can I... Okay, so I think last week, after already swearing that I wasn't going to talk about it anymore, last week I said, I have one more update to the shows must go on, and which, right. of course, is the YouTube channel that has been showing old, like... Uh, or recorded versions of stage musicals, primarily Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals until he didn't want to do it yes. anymore. And then they were showing like NBC specials. So last week they were like, hey, we're doing T Joseph the Intec Amazing Technicolor Dreamcode again. And I, it, it kind of broke my brain a little bit because it's like, wow, we are really in just in this time loop from March. Uh, we're going to be stuck yes. in this forever. But they were like, after that, they were like, hey, we're taking a break until August. So... Like, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat is it, which means that we are not in a time loop, and also there is still hope that a version of Starlight Express is going to be shown on that channel at some point. I'm, I'm not holding out hope there. Uh, speaking of time loops, did you watch um, uh, Palm Springs? No, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. That's on Hulu, right? Yeah, you should check it out. It's on Hulu. It's Andy Samberg. It's Kristen Malati. Um, and it's a good, like, uh, time loop movie. I liked it a lot. Uh, but I, look, I don't, I don't want to believe that Starlight Express could come someday. <laughs> I don't want to believe. It seems, uh, as though it must be false. It is a, a, only a false hope, Mark. Maybe Starlight Express on ice. Do you remember in the Whoa. 90s when we were putting everything on ice? I mean, not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were. It happened. Um, Mark, speaking of things that we should be putting on ice, my copy of Sonic Forces, would you like to borrow it? You can get on a list to maybe do so one day. Um, all you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com gmail and give us a mailing address. I send you my copy with a pair of roller uh, ice skates. Man, I stepped <laughs> on my own joke. You send it back. It doesn't cost you anything. Mark, before we get into the topic of the day, which of course is that we are going to be ranking the worlds in Donkey Kong Country, um, we've gotten a, a, a few emails, uh, and I think we need to address each one. First, we have an email from Daniel. Daniel says, Hi, Mark and Patrick. I'm in the process of finishing Octopath Traveler. Contrary to the urban legend that you propagated, in which no man or beast could possibly do so. <laughs> 
I've only completed one path, so I'm very aware that there's plenty of time for a curse to strike me dead before I wrap up the remaining seven. However, the wind is at my back, and I am here with spoilers. So it has been a long-running assertion of mine that no one can finish Octopath Traveler, um, and if anyone ever does, they are allowed to send us spoilers. Uh, Daniel has completed the story for Primrose, the dancer, and he has included uh, the ending uh, for Primrose's journey. And for uh, for the sake of not uh, broadcasting spoilers, uh, I just uh, will 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 stop reading there. Um, but uh, Daniel, I want you to know that I have read the spoilers, uh, and it sounds like the story ends in exactly the way you expected. <laughs> <laughs> Also, um, Daniel, and- we are rooting for you that you will not yeah, be like, it, man. St- struck down by a curse um, before you finish. Um, he says, uh, next up, Alfin the Merry Apo- uh, Apothecary. Um, and Alfin was my starter. He's he's where I started the game. Uh, so those are spoilers that I gleefully look forward to. Um, Daniel, do it. Prove us wrong. Do the impossible. Um, and thank you for listening and spoiling Octopath Traveler for us. <laughs> uh, we also got a, uh, an email from Jonathan. Jonathan writes, Hi, Patrick and Mark. Thanks for recommending Dragon Quest XI-S for Switch on your podcast. It isn't a game that was on my radar, but I decided to check it out and I'm loving it so far. Love the podcast. Thanks, Jonathan. Um, Jonathan, you are welcome. Uh, however, I must recommend that when referring to Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch, that you use its full name, Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Mark, we also have an email from Jimmy. Jimmy writes, uh, Hi, Patrick and Mark. I really enjoy your show and wanted to thank you both for hyping up Murder by Numbers. I picked it up and absolutely loved it. It was also my uh, first time doing Picross, and now both me and my husband are obsessed. It was a great entry point for me because I love a cozy mystery, which is why I am writing. Mark was speaking my language when he spoke about enjoying Murder, She Wrote, and Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, and I wanted to send along some recommendations for other shows in that vein that I like. Thanks for all the work you do, and please stay safe during this pandemic. Uh, Jimmy, you stay safe as well. Um, Mark, uh, there are five recommendations here along with uh, a little explanation of each so i'm going to say the name of the show and you let me know if you want more information okay okay sounds great okay uh, number one miss fisher and the crypt of tears oh wait actually i know this one this is like the movie that they crowdfunded after the yes. fact yes okay great recommendation uh, very good uh number two father brown okay so i uh, amazon keeps trying me trying to get me to watch this one but i knew nothing about it so on jimmy's recommendation this will be a good one to check out uh it it's all about a small town priest aka ron weasley's dad who solves murders with the help of of his uppity secretary uppity secretary a horny socialite and her delinquent driver (laughs) that does sound delightful agatha raisin i have watched agatha raisin i have to say not entirely to my taste, and I'll tell you why. They yes. like they give her a love interest, and her and her love interest have no chemistry. I don't like the dude; he's not charming. Uh, but still a fun, still a fun time. I mean, if you can't ship the relationship in a show, it, it's tough. It's, it's tough. tough to, to it's report. tough. 
Okay, two more to go. Uh, Queens of Mystery. I don't think I've heard of this one. Uh, okay, I'm going to read the whole description here uh, because something about it piqued my interest as well. This is on Acorn TV, only one season thus far, uh, but it's great. It's told with narration similar to Pushing Daisies, but not nearly as wacky. It's about a female detective and her three nosy aunts who are all mystery writers. <laughs> Each episode has a mystery, but there's also a larger story at play as well. I love this. It's like Jessica Fletcher is a mystery writer. Multiply that by three. It's got to be a good time. Right. Also, uh, look, I, I had me at similar to Pushing Daisies, lost me as at not nearly as wacky, but then got me back at three uppity uh, <laughs> <laughs> mystery writer ants. Uh, and then the final one is Miss Fisher's Modern Mysteries, um, which is uh, about Miss Fisher's niece solving crimes in the swinging 60s. Oh, that sounds awesome. Jimmy, thank you so much. This is, this is great. I am glad, so glad to hear that there are others like me. And please, anybody else listening, keep the recommendations coming. We all need to be sharing this vital information with each other. Honorable mention, if you uh, like a, a bit of soap and supernatural, Nancy Drew on the CW was pretty good. Oh. I checked that out. You want to check that out? CW yeah. The app is free. We should check that out. <laughs> let's do it. Um, all right. Speaking of things that we should let's do, um, let's get into our topic at hand. Let's rank the worlds from Donkey Kong Country. <laughs> Mark, but before we get like into it, into it, uh, we have a last-minute email from friend of the show, June, uh, and it is Donkey Kong related, so we're going to address it right now. Uh, first, hey, June, what's up? Um, his email reads, hey, Patrick and Mark, how do you guys feel about the rumors that Miyamoto once said that, quote, Donkey Kong Country proves gamers will put up with mediocre gameplay if the art is good, unquote. I know it's kind of been disproven, but I secretly think that Miyamoto despises anything that comes out of Nintendo that doesn't have his influence and probably was a little salty uh, that Donkey Kong Country did so well. Thanks for the show. Look forward to it every week, June. Thank you, June. Um, Mark, first of all, do you think that that, uh, that tale that Miyamoto does not like Donkey Kong Country, do you think that is apocryphal? I, I think that it is apocryphal with, I would guess, a, at least a kernel of truth. There is something, uh, uniquely, <sighs> I was about to say American, but it wasn't, it was made in, uh, Europe, right? <laughs> Um, but yeah, something uh, definitely not Japanese um, about this game. Um, but maybe that's wrong, too, because it always feels a little bit... It feels similar to Sonic the Hedgehog, in my mind. Like, that there is a similar aesthetic, both in like terms of level design and uh, just like the characters being cool um, that like Nintendo doesn't normally go for. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, um, because I'm sure that Miyamoto <clears throat> was involved on some level with the game, um, like consulting or just looking at it and being like, "Yep" or "Nope" or whatever. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, because I know that, or you know, part of the story is also that, um, Yoshi's Island was made kind of as a response to Donkey Kong Country and kind of like you know, like rejecting that modern, like 3D modeled look and going back to something like super, you know, like pixelated, super like pixel art, super hand-drawn. And again, like, I think that's also probably like an apocryphal origin story of Yoshi's Island. 
but and you know Miyamoto later has commented on it being like oh like all that was kind of overblown but at the same time I do think that there's probably some amount of truth to it I mean I I wonder if uh cuz like the rare aesthetic is specific right and it is something that you and I uh have trashed in the past um and I expect that we will trash that multiple times throughout this episode um there's just something a little like too cutesy or a little bit too like I don't know just to pick a thing and put eyes on it <laughs> uh, that that like it doesn't uh, it doesn't always feel um like it doesn't capture uh like quite the same whimsy or like the inventiveness of like a, a good Nintendo design. Um so like Donkey Kong Country is is definitely an outlier in that regard. I wonder if uh that like rare aesthetic was like a a choice out of necessity originally like with Donkey Kong Country where you know uh these characters you don't have the benefit of pixel art so the eyes maybe have to be huge and all that kind of stuff to be expressive <laughs> and then it all just kind of like snowballed and it's like well i guess this is like our thing yeah i guess this is banjo kazooie <laughs> Um, okay, uh, we are talking about Donkey Kong Country today because, of course, it is out on the uh, Super NES Switch Online, uh, which means you can play it for free, provided that you are already subscribing to Nintendo Switch Online. Um, I played this game uh, in its entirety yesterday morning. Um, it took me about two and a half-ish hours. Um, still a good time. Still a fun game. Uh, still very much worth your time. Uh, possibly even if you didn't play it when you were a child. I actually don't know that because I've only ever played it uh, <laughs> in a world where I played it as a child. Um, Mark, what, what are your feelings overall on, on Donkey Kong Country before we get into discussing the individual worlds? Yeah, I mean, uh, this what is uh, I, I love this game. And I agree with you. Yeah. Like, I have no idea what it would be like coming with fresh eyes. Like, because, you know, we did, you and I came to Donkey Kong Country 2 with pretty much fresh eyes and did not love that experience. And so I don't know, like, how much of my love for this game is nostalgia, but I love this game. I love, uh, I just have so many fond memories of, uh, you know, like, playing with my siblings and just like the music and all of it just being like really exciting and fun and just playing it over and over and over. So it's like an all timer for me, but I can also like appreciate that it's like a flawed game. Yeah. I, I mean, for my money, this is also like before the series and before like Donkey Kong in general, um, like adopts uh, entirely like a, a radical 90s edge to it. Um, like before we have Dixie Kong, before, um, uh, you know, Diddy is uh, like holding a boombox up to his head when he like, you know, uh, uh, celebrates at the end of levels. Like it still feels like they are, for the most part, just monkeys, right? Like, look, Diddy wears a shirt and a hat and Donkey wears a tie. But other than that, like this, they're all just basically monkeys. And I guess that falls apart if we talk about uh, Candy Kong or Funky Kong or Cranky <laughs> Kong. But, but the core monkey experience still feels like you're just two monkeys like going around your jungle island. Well, I, I yeah, I agree. And I actually, I think that like this is a fitting ranking for Donkey Kong Country because I think the like, major strengths of Donkey Kong Country are like the aesthetics. Um, mm -hmm. the, the boss fights are all like very samey and not particularly compelling. You know, like, people have complaints about the controls, 
and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, like it's not the tightest controlling game. Um, you know, like the boss fights aren't going to blow your mind, but th- something about just like the mixture of the way it looks and the backgrounds and like the, the atmosphere and the way it sounds mm-hmm. like I, I, th- I think it holds up. Um, well, I, I do too, and I hope that uh, everyone else thinks so, uh, and therefore will be very interested in what we have to say about how we rank these worlds. Um, so there are, uh, by my count, seven worlds in Donkey Kong Country. Um, we'll go through them uh, real quick here, uh, and I think I already have a typo on our main sheet. No, I'm wrong. Uh, the original uh, jungle is called Congo Jungle. Not Kong Jungle, but Congo Jungle. Uh, that's World 1. World 2 is Monkey Mines. World 3 is Vine Valley. World 4 is Gorilla Glacier. World 5 is Kremlock Industries Incorporated. Uh, world 6 is Chimp Caverns. And World 7 is Gangplank Galleon. Um, Mark. Where would you like to begin? Oh, here's something that I wanted to uh, bring up. Something I don't understand on the Donkey Kong Country levels page on the Mario Wiki. Um, There is a sentence in here that reads as follows. Unlike the Super Mario series, the Kongs are not required to traverse a whole level to reach the end boss. Is that true? Uh, yes, right? Because in Super, like, let's just take Super Mario Brothers. In order to mm-hmm. get to, like, um, uh, Bowser or Koopa at the end, you have to go through, like, the entire castle, and then you encounter Koopa slash Bowser, versus in Donkey Kong, you just go to the level, and it's just the boss fight, I think is what they're getting at. Unlike the Super Mario series, the Kongs are not required to traverse a whole level to reach the end boss. Oh, I mean, sure, I guess that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to do all of the levels before them. I understand. I understand the sentence now, if that is its its true intent. Um, I don't like it still. Well, here's the nice thing about a wiki is you can lodge a complaint. Or you oh, can, or, edit, or you can edit try it. to edit it yourself. Edit it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell you one. Tell you one thing, Mark. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, all right. So I think the best way to do this is maybe to go through each of the worlds, discuss the pros and cons, um, and then after that, sort of discuss where we think they go in this list. Mark, do you agree, or are there early standouts as like very good or very bad? Um, I mean, I, I definitely have opinions, but uh, I think I think your plan makes sense. I think let's talk about like the worlds themselves. Let's paint a picture, if you will, and then we can yes. figure out where we want to put those pictures. Okay, so world one, Congo jungle. Again, not Kong jungle. I don't know why. <laughs> um, this is where you start the game, obviously. So like everyone who has played this game a million times as a kid, you've played this level Every single time, right? Um, uh, you start off uh, in Jungle Hijinks is the very first level. It includes Donkey Kong's treehouse and his banana horde, like two special areas that no other place in the entire game has anything quite like this uh, and quite like this level of environmental storytelling. Um, it also includes uh, Rambi, so that's that's nice. Um, uh, other high points for me personally, um, it has Coral Capers, which is the first of the water levels. Uh, and I think 
the best one in the game. Um, it has that amazing music, that aquatic ambience, which uh, appears in, in other um, in other uh, water levels throughout the game. But Coral Capers is maybe the only one that is uh, as chill as the music uh, implies. Um, it's just a, an all around pleasant experience. Um, Mark, what, what what do you think about about Congo Jungle highs or lows? So I um I totally agree with you. I I love that first water level. One of the things that like so Congo Jungle is like an overworld is not like super interesting, but one of the things that I think is a real strength of the world is like it's a great like sampler, right? You get um just like the introduction level, then you get a rain level, then you get a cave level, then you get a water level. Like you really get um it's like it's like the overture of the game basically it's like this is what Mm -hmm. you're getting essentially but i feel like just like an overture it's not like anybody's favorite piece it's um but it's like a really solid like introduction to what you're about to see um i'll tell you this too uh, that when i play Whenever I play this game, I play Jungle Hijinks, the very first level, twice um, because it is so full of extra lives and I just want to like stock up right at the beginning so I don't get myself in trouble at any point. Um, so, and you know, when I was a kid and uh, bad at video games, um, I would do Jungle Hijinks four or five times in a row just to rack up extra lives to get the, uh, the like uh, animal helper idols mm-hmm. and like play their bonus games. Um, like just a lot, a lot, a lot. So that jungle hijinks has an extra special place in my heart. Um, I, I think as far as like levels in here that aren't so great, um, I think the reptile rumble, which is like the cave level, um, is just sort of a, uh, it's, it's just showing you what a cave level is, um, and doesn't really do anything super fun or engaging, uh, beyond, you know, you're in a cave. Yeah. Um, how do we feel about very naughty? The the He's like the beaver boss. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to feel like I don't really feel anything about the bosses in this game. Uh, there's really only two or three. Like, I guess like three variants, right? That get repeated in different colors and like maybe different attack patterns. But so there are there are four. Yeah, four and King K rule. Okay, so there's the beaver, the bird, the bee. What's the fourth one? The oil drum. Oh, the oil drum. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. How dare you, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So that's that's uh that's Congo Jungle. Uh, a pretty straightforward like feels like a jungle. Great. Uh then we get to World 2 Monkey Mines. Um Mark, do you want to walk us through some of uh your highs and lows from Monkey Mines? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think just, like, it's the introduction of minecart levels, which has become, like, so, like, tied, yeah, exactly, hand-in-hand with Donkey Kong uh, Country Series. But, um, so, minecart carnage, and again, it's, uh, I don't know if it's because I, you play it so much as a kid, um, but I I agree with you that I think minecart carnage is probably, like, my favorite minecart level in the game. Well, so there are only two, like, proper minecart levels um, in this game, and they both handle differently, which is strange to me. Um, in Minecart Carnage, when you jump, they, they the whole cart, like, jumps off the tracks. And in the other one, which uh, is later in the game and called something else, 
Um, nope, I'm not finding it. Uh, Minecart Madness is is the name of it. Um, you uh, you jump out of the cart. Um, so the cart like continues on its possibly disastrous path. Um, but you uh, jump out. Um, and I, I, for whatever reason, making the cart jump with you was always more like attractive, uh, appealing to me. I, I also always liked Stop and Go Station, which uh, introduces like this idea of like red and green lights and the Kremlins that will be out of control if it's uh, red or green, and then they go to sleep if it's the opposite. Yeah, and these guys are just so cool in their design. They're like made of rock. They look... I mean, everything in this game looks like it has a certain, like, you know, lumpy physicality to it. Um, but these guys are, uh, they look like they're made of clay, you know? Like, there's something very physical, very tangible about these characters. Um, and their eyes glow red when they're, like, running around. Um, Stop and Go Station is is one of the, it, it, like, sticks in my imagination, you know? And Stop and Go Station is the one where you can, like, you enter the level, and then you can just go right back out the exit, and it'll take you to the end of the level. Uh, also true of Minecart Carnage. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I don't know why, but Nintendo built in a lot of uh, ways to skip the levels in <laughs> Monkey Mines. But it's fun, because it's, it's fun to be able to just, like, you, like, find, you, like, figure that out, and it, like, seems so cool. Um, and then the, the other level that's memorable to me here is Millstone Mayhem, which is, um, it's mostly memorable to me for its like temple aesthetic. And so it's, I feel like different from anything else in the game. You're like in this like sandstone temple that has vines growing on it. And I don't, I, I don't know if I like, like it or if for whatever reason, I find it like a little bit ugly in a way that like i don't know it i i have mixed feelings on this level on the aesthetics of this level like i can't really articulate so we will see the temple aesthetic um a a couple times uh throughout the game but this is the first time that we see it um and it between the like uh reliance on caves and the uh millstone mayhem i Cannot state uh, enough how impressed I am the difference between the first world and the second world, aesthetically speaking. And especially going from, you know, like the sort of uh, Mario um, uh, template of like, here's a forest, here's the water place, here's a fire, here's a lava place, here's, you know, all, all that stuff. Going from like jungle to mine is, uh, you know, sort of is like planting the seeds mm-hmm. of those very impressive like world varieties that we uh, shout out in like Tropical Freeze and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, well, you know, World 2 ends up feeling very, like kind of samey in that you spend the whole time in like caves. Um, it's so different from World 1 that I, uh, it is an honorable mention if for no other reason than it's such a stark contrast. And then the boss is a, is a giant vulture. Um, it's Neki's nuts. Um, and the less said about that, the better. <laughs> World three, Vine Valley. Uh, this is when you go into the forest, you've left the jungle and have now come to a deciduous forest on the same tiny island. <laughs> Um, uh, Mark, do you want to kick us off here, or should I uh, start with my highs and lows here? Uh, well, I'll just mention that Vine Valley is my favorite, like oh, like world map aesthetically. Mm, okay, like I think why, it's why most, is that? 
I think it's just the most beautiful. Like you have like the forest and then as you venture down more, you like go into this lake and it's kind of like the sun is setting. And I, I think it's the most picturesque of the world maps out of the entire game. Yeah, and I think the uh, the 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 sort of like forest floor background that a couple of these levels take on um, that this is the only place where we see that. Um, just about every other level type we see repeated in other worlds. I guess outside of the uh, the snow stuff, um, but you know, like you'll see caves over and over again. You'll see jungle background over and over again. You'll see um, the like high up caves. You'll see that over and over again too. Two different cave types, but okay. <laughs> Vine Valley um, is also, I mean, it's just Endor, mm-hmm. and I like Endor. Yes, I like so the Redwood Forest, what can I say? Yeah. Uh, Treetop Town is a, a beautiful little level. Um, the one strike I will say against Treetop Town is that it, this is when it starts, like, I I really struggle with whether I think the barrel mechanic in these games are good or bad. Like, do I do I like intense barrel sections where i just need to get every shot like perfect uh or do i hate it i don't know mark how do you feel about it <laughs> I, I this is again where it's really difficult for me to separate like the game from my memory yes. of the game because i think i like it but i think if i was uh but i also have a feeling that like if it was introduced to me cold today that i would not care for it as much basically what we're yeah. saying is we need somebody who's never played this game before to play it and tell us what they think. And you can write into us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Um, yeah, I think I think that uh, th- yes, it's impossible to know whether whether I like them or not. Uh, they they are very much in my fingers. Um, and so I when I get to a place where there are a couple of barrels moving at the same time and some are spinning, I already sort of know how I need to play it before I make the decision how to play it. Um, so yeah, it, it feels like a little bit of a cheat, but I do think that it's like a fun, uh, it's a little too far to call it a puzzle mechanic, but it's a good way to break up just like the regular, um, platforming that you do throughout the rest of the levels. Uh, this also has the orangutan gang level, uh, which introduces the orangutans that throw barrels at you. Um, Mark mentioned a sunset in like the overworld. There is also a sun that sets throughout the course of this level, uh, which is very pretty. It's the only time the game does it. Um, and you get, you know, beautiful sunset colors in the background, which is great. Yeah, I, t- I have no idea if this is true or not, but I would completely believe that Retro was inspired by this level to make like the really pronounced sunset aesthetic that is in Donkey Kong Country Returns. Yeah, the ones that are like the uh, iPod commercials. Yeah, yes, from, like, exactly. Twelve years ago. <laughs> uh, strike against it. I gotta say the uh, the water level in Vine Valley, uh, Clam City, where clams shoot pearls at you. We built uh, this not, city. Not great. We built this city on clams. <laughs> uh, and then the boss is uh, Bumblebee Rumble, who of course is a giant. B. Uh, I actually sort of like this boss fight. I do too. Um, yeah, I think it's one of the best. Yep, totally. It requires a little bit more skill than just like wait for this thing to appear, jump on its head. Totally. Um, and even sort of like foreshadows some of the ways that you have to learn patterns uh, for the King K. Rule fight as well. Yeah, and also I want to apologize because clearly I should have started that by saying, we built Clam City instead of this city. What was I thinking? Yeah, I- 
I mean, I don't know. It, it made it made me end the whole thing with on clams. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's World Three Vine Valley. World Four Gorilla Glacier. Now this is a a, a a world that inspires a lot of feelings in me. Um, and as a kid, this is a a world that frequently uh marked the end of my journey through the game. Um, not because it in it of itself is particularly difficult, but because it, you are five levels into the world before it gives you both uh, a save point in Candy Kong and the ability to get to other worlds in Funky Kong. Um, so you have to get through Snow Barrel Blast, Slip Slide Ride, Ice Age Valley, Croctopus Chase, and Torchlight Trouble all in a row without being able to save or escape from the world to get extra lives or save. Um, so it, this one feels... There's a lot of good stuff about about this world, but that one design element is perplexing. Yeah, I mean, it feels purposeful because even as a kid, I remember like, oh, like you have to like prepare yourself. This is where the difficulty ramps up. Uh, I will say like the levels themselves, I think are a lot of fun and are some of like the most challenging like here's where the game really begins to i think like get comfortable in its difficulty um sure you know like this one you are also like barrel blasting your way around but the snow pick picks up and like that can be like distracting and so it just adds like a little bit more difficulty to it like um and like not all the levels are winners like the water level here i don't like at all but overall, yeah, it, this, I think it's a pretty strong world. Yeah. Um, yeah, Croctopus Chase, the the water one. Uh, it you're being chased by octopuses. I hate being chased in the water. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible nightmare. Um, and Snow Barrel Blast, the the first of these levels. Um, well, I I love the way it progresses. I love the way that as you are going through through the level, you start to see snow like in the background. Suddenly, you know, the snow is like happening a little bit in the foreground as well. And then by the end, it's just an absolute blizzard. Um, and it's really tough to see. I This is as hard as the barreling gets in, in, in the game is in this level. And it is the very first level of a five level stretch that you have to like gun it through um and if you lose a lot of lives in that snow barrel blast level um it can be really demoralizing to try and like fight through the others because the next one slip slide ride is a uh, one inside of like a, a sort of crystally cave environment um is also a tough level like those two can really sink a lot of lives um and really present a sort of uh, meta challenge to the overall game uh, where like you just have to be well prepared when you go into this thing. And I know that this is fickle of me, but because I love Treetop Town from uh, the previous world, because it's like 100% Ewok Village. I dislike yeah. Rope Bridge Rumble from Gorilla Glacier from this ice world, um, even though it's like the same aesthetic, but it's done in like white, like icy white yeah. and blue. And that kills it for me. I don't care for it. Yeah, it's got to look like the Ewok Village. Get it out of here. <laughs> um, I'll also say that uh, it is a very manageable level. It is like kind of on the easy side, which after having this gauntlet of five hard levels and then a save point, it's kind of like why even have this in here? You know, like also the aesthetic is so strong and so unified before that. Yeah, totally. Well, and speaking of which, like remind me if I can't remember if I'm 
wrong or not, but like, so the boss here is like the beaver revisited, but it doesn't yes. have like an icy like aesthetic to it. It's just nope. Like it's just the, the beaver, beaver again. again. Yeah. Yeah, I would say this is, and probably because it's the first repeated boss, um, but this is the first, like, big bummer of a boss where, uh, you know, again, you've just done this, like, Herculean feat of uh, getting through these five levels in a row without being able to save, and then they just throw a repeat beaver at you. And, like, the the difference between the first appearance of the giant vulture and the second appearance of the giant vulture, um, it, like it actually is more difficult to fight the second one. Whereas the beaver is like just a little bit faster and it's not um, like appreciably harder or uh, more engaging. I will say bad boss. I say, (laughs) yeah, bad boss in general. I don't like ice worlds in games. I don't like the slipping and sliding. It doesn't bother me in gorilla glacier. And I don't know why. Um, Maybe it's because like donkey Kong just like feels heavier. And so like, it feels like a little bit less. It, feels like it really adds difficulty in a way that feels like fun to me versus um in some like games where they do this it just like becomes annoying yeah well i i think that a lot of the precision that uh is asked of you in this world is in barrels and you're not affected by slipperiness when you're in a barrel anyway um so like you don't have to be as precise uh you know when you're running around and skidding around on the ice so it seems okay World 5, Mark. Creme Rock Industries, Inc. Um, a mouthful for certain. Um, this is a world where everything is polluted and there's like a factory. Um, if it sounds like I am being dismissive of this world in general, it is because I am. <laughs> um, there is a water level in here that is called Poison Pond, which is just the water is green. It's polluted. It's full of jellyfish. I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, or is it Chem Rock or Chem Croc? Uh, great question. I think it's Chem Croc. I think you're right. Uh, yeah, this one I have mixed feelings on because I really like some of the worlds in here a lot. Uh, like where you are riding on these like um platforms, right? That uh are like moving, and you have to like you know jump on enemies and like continue. Don't you have to, like, hit, like, additional barrels or something to get more, like, oil to continue going? So you are thinking there of Tanked Up Trouble, which appears in the next world. Um, there, there is a Trick, trick Track Trek um, uh, in, in this world, which is a, uh, like, you're on a, a cart that is kind of moving around on a, uh, it's, it is just like a platform that, you know, goes to, uh, moves along a, a set path, but there is no fuel for that. So there's, gotcha. no, there's no point at which it runs out. Um, and then there's also Elevator Antics, which is uh, several discrete little platforms that either move left, right, up, or down, and then after a certain amount of time, fall down. Um, and that is, that is good for some uh, like tricky platforming, um, but can is one of those levels where if you don't already know what's coming, um, you're going to make a lot of wild jumps in like any direction in an attempt to save yourself, and you're going to die a lot. Chemcrack Industries, it's just like, you're right, the entire aesthetic of the world is just like gross and industrial. And again, <laughs> if you are thinking of this all on being like a single island, it's kind of funny that like it has this area where um, it has like this ultra modern like Terminator 2 chic, you know, like um, industrial plant 
where they're manufacturing oil, apparently. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I admire it for being how different it is, but definitely it's like a shock to the system compared to like everything else that's going on in the world. Uh, yeah, it, it, it feels, I mean, like it is a nice, uh, departure, uh, but it is not, it is a departure. It is nice in that it's a departure. I don't like where we depart to, if that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it, this also has some uh, uh, another level that I I don't particularly care for care for called blackout basement, um, where the lights just turn out like the lights just flicker out every every now and then. And you're doing a lot of platforming in the dark. Um, again, another one that like if you are super familiar with the game, super familiar with the level, uh, it's not that big a deal. But I imagine going into that one with no experience with the previous, uh, would be difficult and frustrating. The boss is an oil drum, uh, which is confusing. Uh, all he does is drop normal enemies for you to fight, and then you fight them. And that's it. <laughs> Another pretty underwhelming boss fight. Uh, Mark, that moves us into Chimp Caverns. Uh, what are your thoughts on Chimp Caverns? So uh, Chimp Caverns, aesthetically, is just kind of like you're in this cave. Um I so whether you like Chemcroc Industries or not, I feel like after um the ice world of Gorilla Glacier and then Chemcroc Industries, it feels like it's like gaining momentum to like oh like what is the next world going to bring? It it's got to be something different. And Chimp Caverns to me feels like aesthetically, um the world map itself feels like a step back. Like it feels like oh instead of like building on what came before, it's just kind of like sliding back into that generic kind of just like cave and yeah, vaguely foresty or vaguely like jungly. But the levels themselves are, you know, like again, like uh, Tanked Up Trouble, the one I thought was in Chemcroc Industries, because to me it fits aesthetically there really well. This idea that you're totally. on this like uh, moving track that you have to get these gas tanks, um, gas barrels to like continue going um, and so I feel like there's a disconnect between like what the levels are, how the levels present themselves, and then uh, the world itself. Uh, yes. So this is also uh, the only world in Donkey Kong Country where there is a level that only appears in the Game Boy Color version. Um, there, so this is this is the sole level that only appears in the Game Boy Color version. Doesn't appear in Game Boy Advance. Doesn't appear in the Super Nintendo. It's called Necky Nutmare. And I've never played this level because I've never played the Game Boy Color version. I yeah, me either. This world, there's a version of this world with a whole other level in it. <laughs> that kind of blows my mind um, just because, you know, I yeah, feel right. like so familiar with this game. Uh, yeah. Um, Tanked Up Trouble, like you mentioned, is a, a, a great level uh, in here. Um, Loopy Lights is also um, interesting. It's another one where the, like, the lights uh, turn on and off, uh, but you're controlling it with barrels. And I believe that there are um, the rock Kremlings in here as well. Um, and they're also, you know, the little like chompy guys? Um, they're they're uh, a variety of chompy guy uh, that jump when you jump. So if you try to like jump on them too late, um, they'll jump right up in the air and get you. Um, and then the 
the boss here is uh, Neki's Revenge, which is a, a retake of the Vulture. Um, but he is more difficult because you have to wait for him to spit out all of his uh, nuts before you can try at attacking him. Um, and every time it, the number of nuts he spits goes up one. So, you know, when you're going in for that, like, fifth hit, you got to really... Um, you've got a lot of stuff to avoid before you can go in for an attack. Mm -hmm. uh, so he actually is tricky. Disappointing in that he's a, a, a repeat, but uh, maybe not so disappointing because he actually presents more challenge. Finally, Mark, World 7, Gang, Plank, Galleon. Not much of a world, uh, but I do like the setting. I like that you're on a ship for your uh, big fight with King K. Rule. Uh, yes. Now, uh, I, I like that you are on a ship. I am a uh, vocal critic of King <laughs> K. Rule. I don't like the character. Uh, I think he's silly. I don't like his big belly. Uh, and I don't like, I just don't, the, the whole, the whole fight is strange to me. You do, uh, like the sort of like normal version of it and then like some fake credits roll and then he gets back up and you have to fight him again. I don't know what's going on here. The game's getting too cute here. Too cute for its own good. <laughs> I actually really, I actually like that. Um, but I agree that like, you know, the boss fights in this game are unmemorable at best. And I feel like this boss fight is pretty much the same. Um, so, I mean, granted, I am not anti-King K rule like you. I feel like, you know how some people uh, tweet at um, Sakurai every time he tweets anything, being like, put Wario in, or Waluigi into the game. Yes. Um, you are the opposite. You tweet at him every time saying, like, every remove time. King K rule. Remove King K rule <laughs> from Smash. I tweeted him every time he tweets anything. <laughs> he can't even talk about playing the new, like, uh, you know, uh, Legend of Mana game without <laughs> me being like, hey, take King K. Rule out of Smash. <laughs> um, all right. Which, uh, I mean, for me, I think is going to put Gangplank Galleon uh, towards the very bottom of this list. Um, I think it is probably the seventh of seven worlds in my, in my own personal ranking. Yeah, I completely agree. Because as much as I like being on a ship and you get that, like, nice little she shanty, um, sea shanty even. It's just not sea shanté. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like a, a reference in a footnote. Sea shanté. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's a pretty much like a nothing world with like a mediocre boss fight. Yeah, well, and it's it's interesting how much of that pirate aesthetic is then borrowed by Donkey Kong Country Two. Um which came out the next year. So I wonder if they were just like, I don't know, we're already working on pirate ships. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so then what What do you, do you have like a, a other, another candidate for bottom of the list uh, down here with Gangplank Galleon? Um, for me, okay, where I struggle a little bit is like Chimp Caverns is not super memorable but it has some yeah. levels that I really enjoy. And so I don't know how to like balance that out with something with like monkey minds that um, it has like the minecart carnage level, but otherwise I find fairly like uh, forgettable compared to the others. Even with stop and go station in there. Yeah. Even with stop and go station. Cause I feel like that's like something that, um, happens later on as well, right? Like, don't you have 
Isn't there so another level that basically of, does like that's the... That's sort of what uh, Loopy Lights does, except that's also turning off the the lights mm-hmm. in, in the world as well. Um, yeah, so I guess like for me, it falls back on just like the aesthetic of the whole thing and K or um, the Monkey Minds, the second world, you have like the caves, mm-hmm. you have like the temple, which I've already expressed that for some reason, like I appreciate that like they're in this like ruined temple with vines and everything, but the aesthetic to me doesn't seem to really like match the rest of the game. Um, so I, I, for me, like Monkey Minds is down there somewhere, but I don't know really how to reconcile it with the uh, Chimp Caverns, World Six. Sure. Um, I mean, I I think I kind of put uh World Five towards the towards the bottom, the Creme Rock Industries, um, incorporated, uh, largely from an uh, from an aesthetic point, but also like, um. You know, blackout basement. I feel like is a bummer. The boss is the the first boss where, or it it it's it's not even a boss fight. It's just a fight against several normal enemies. Um, and you know, like elevator antics is fun, and uh, trick track trek is nice, but poison pond is terrible. Um, and oil drum alley, um, which is like just a very industrial setting. I just don't much care for it i i would i would campaign here to put uh creme rock industries at at our number six so am i giving this game too much credit if Mm. um i'm saying that chem croc industries is like purposefully gross and disgusting because it's talking all about like pollution and everything like is it basically okja of um donkey kong country like no i i reject that (laughs) i don't think i don't think it's fair to say that uh there's a message environmental or otherwise in donkey kong country it's a game about a monkey who wants his bananas like that's it (laughs) oh but i mean look all all art is political clear it's it was an aesthetic choice clearly yes they were uh going for something like now i don't know if they were going for like a powerful environmental message but i i i would believe that they that there was some like um purposefulness behind it but i agree with you it's not like particularly um enjoyable to experience yeah and i guess really that's that's the the heart of what i'm driving at here um I'm sure it was swept up in, you know, that sort of uh, mid-90s obsession with... Uh, recycling? Uh, uh, with recycling and Captain Planet and all that garbage um, that uh, really, really focused on in the individual responsibility for uh, keeping the planet from uh, lighting itself on fire um, and warped all of our perspectives on uh, corporate <laughs> responsibility for that sort of thing. <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, so just, are, are you suggesting maybe that Monkey Minds goes at uh, the bottom of our list? Tell me, tell me what, tell me what you're thinking. Okay, so yeah, I, I, I actually, I think I am. I think I, for me personally, and we'll probably have to come to some sort of, like, uh, um, reconciliation, but Monkey, yeah, Monkey Minds, I would put down here, um... I think if it were me all by myself, I would do uh, Chimp Caverns next. I would do Monkey Minds above it. And I would put Creme Croc Industries in the middle just because it is like so different. 
so uh, just just to uh, kind of play this out a little bit, um, we're saying that uh, sorry. I'm putting these in order. Um, that uh, Gangplank Galleon would be number seven. Number six would be Chimp Caverns. Number five would be uh, Creme Rock Industries. And number four would be Monkey Mines. No, I'm saying that Monkey Mines would go below Chemcroc Industries. Would go below Chemcroc. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So Chemcroc uh, so would be would more like the middle of six. my list. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Um, so number Mo- sorry, monkey minds. Okay, I get, I, I get you. <laughs> sorry, I'm uh tricking myself. Um, so monkey minds is right next to um chimp caverns. Yeah, so monkey minds would be number five, and then Chemcroc Industries would be number four. Okay. Um, I can I can live with that. I think those are are definitely the uh bottom of the list. I think I probably like Monkey Minds more than you do. Um, but but I want to move into our discussion of the next three or the, <laughs> because I, I I feel like that's that's where that's where like the big conversations mm-hmm. are to be had. Okay. Um, we are left of course with uh Congo Jungle, Vine Valley, and Gorilla Glacier. Um. Mark, what what's your gut telling you here? Uh, I get. I think I kind of tipped my hand earlier in saying that I think for Congo Jungle, it is like the overture of the game, and it plays some really good notes, but it's not your most memorable piece. So for me, it would go uh, third. Um. So I I I can agree with that going third, but I. I know I was uh, talking a little trash about Gorilla Glacier before and it's uh, difficulty with those five levels in a row that you got to beat. Um, but there is nothing that this game does as well as the first three levels of Gorilla Glacier. Um, so I'm going to push for that to be number one. I understand it may not get there, um, but Snow Barrel Blast, Slip Slide Ride, and Ice Age Valley tell a complete story. From the onset of a blizzard to you taking shelter in a cave to you emerging from the uh, cave as the blizzard subsides. Uh, it's the only time that they attempt anything even approaching this uh, throughout the entire game, uh, and it is unique and wonderful. So Gorilla Glacier is really cool. Um, Vine Valley is my vote for number one, but I don't know that I'll fight for it too hard. The thing that I like about Vine Valley is I think it's just, like, aesthetically the most beautiful. Um, I think, like, the the sunset level, I think, like, the world itself. I mean, yes, is it speaking to me because it basically just ripped off the Ewok village? Of course, but at least it ripped off, like, the good forest planet and didn't, not, like, uh, Chewbacca's home world. Kashyyyk? Yeah, where you're just like, oh, it's uh, like a less fun version of the Ewok of village. Well, and look, it, we are not going to start criticizing things for ripping off Star Wars. <laughs> so, I mean, like, that's fine. Get a pass. <laughs> Steal from the best. But I, I completely agree with you that as far as like the um, like uh, storytelling um, of like the levels itself, like you cannot beat Gorilla Glacier. Um, all right. Well, then I'm going to tentatively, tentatively put uh, those them in the order that I suggested there, um, and I will read them back. And Mark, 
you let me know if this is if this is what you like. I think we're there. I think this is it. Uh, at number seven, World Seven, Gangplank Galleon. Coming in at number six, World Six, Chimp Caverns. The game really ends on a <laughs> down note. <laughs> uh, at number five, World Two, Monkey Mines. At number four, World Five, Creme Croc Industries. At number three, World One, Congo Jungle. <laughs> at Number two, World Three, Vine Valley, and at number one, World Four, Gorilla Glacier. <laughs> With all those numbers, uh, it's like a one it's beautiful it's math clear. equation. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, I. Everyone knows what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think uh, looking back, um, Chem Creme Croc Industries is probably like a little high for how ugly it is, but I am happy with its placement. Um, all right. Well, great. That's how we ranked uh, the worlds from Donkey Kong Country. If you have a different ranking, we'd love to hear it. You can email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Gmail all right. Uh, oh, let's do some transition music because I was just about to blow into the uh, wrapping up the show. That's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. Uh, we like it when you do that. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Apebetty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying, Go Planet! And thanks for listening. Hey, Rachel, Oscar. Yeah, Claire? Claire? Do you love Disney movies? Uh-huh. Have you seen them all? Not, Not all of them. them. What do you guys think if we watch them all in chronological order and then talk about them? Ooh. Oh, and what if we can talk about it with some of our favorite friends? <gasps> I love that. Yeah, what if we do it Inside the Disney Vault? You know, that's the name of our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault on Campfire Media. Yeah, check us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to yours. That's Inside the Disney Vault. Let's go. Campfire.